Any responsibility you would normally feel to take care of yourself is like quadrupled, you know, because you're now also in charge of someone else. And you're, all of your thoughts are consumed with how to take care of them. So you're kind of like, you're forgetting how to take care of yourself in a lot of ways when you become a new mom. Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. Today, I'm talking to a very special guest, my big sister, Amanda Greaterex. Amanda is 29 years old from Middletown, New Jersey, and she's a wife and the mother of four kids ages five and under. Their names are Lila, Violet, Henry, and Teddy. You're going to hear from Teddy a little bit during the episode because Amanda was breastfeeding him while we were recording for part of it, and he was cooing and trying to join the conversation. Um, Amanda is married to her high school sweetheart, Andy. He is a bassist and an educator, and she is also a musician. Um, She began voice lessons at 11 years old, spent her time in school participating in various choirs and talent shows, and eventually went to the University of North Texas for vocal jazz performance. Since graduating in, in 2011, she now mainly stays home with her kids and enjoys home projects wishing she was Joanna Gaines, doing bar workouts, going to the beach, and listening to podcasts. She's taught private voice lessons as well as performed in numerous bands traveling all over New Jersey, some of the bands also including her husband, Andy. It was really fun to get to talk to my big sister. We talked about ways that we are very different. (laughs) So we talked about, you know, some birth order and sibling dynamics, and she talked about being the firstborn of five kids and how she really embraced being independent and moving forward and being the first to do things. We talked about how she's very decisive and goes with her gut, things that I've struggled with a bit. Um, And we also talk about her experience of becoming a wife and then a mother at a young age and what it was like for her to balance being a musician with motherhood and also her experience with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. It's something that a lot of mothers deal with and it can be really difficult for people to find help and to find support. I'm really grateful that Amanda is really honest about her experience of motherhood and some of the difficulties and challenges of being a mother and especially that she opened up about um, her postpartum experience after having Teddy and some of the things that have helped her um, that I hope can help other people too. This past Sunday was Mother's Day and you know, I was thinking a lot about how much mothers and babies are not supported in this country. And in fact, here in New Jersey, our governor, Phil Murphy, just recently signed some legislature to try to reduce the rates of maternal and infant mortality because they're really high across the country, um, but especially in New Jersey. And then within that, black mothers and black babies are significantly more at risk of dying within the first year of delivery. So I made a donation this morning to Black Mamas Matter Alliance at the recommendation of my friend Elizabeth Coulter, who works for the New Jersey State Department of Health. So thank you to Liz for that recommendation. And I would just encourage anyone listening to look around your community at the mothers who need support and how can we tangibly support them today, right now. In the middle of the show, you're going to hear a clip of an original song that Amanda wrote when she was pregnant with Lila. Um, The song is called July, and it was written and performed and recorded by her and her husband, Andy. It's really beautiful, and I hope you enjoy.
<laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> just it just seems so. Off. It just seems so formal. I know. All right, Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I feel like the first thing we should get out of the way is that we sound very similar. Yes. I would do an Australian accent, but it would not be a good one. <laughs> it would be um, embarrassing. But we are very different. Uh, yeah. Uh, we do have a lot of similarities, but we also have a lot of differences. Um, and I, I think actually, like what I was thinking of in terms of how we're different, I think the biggest way is like, like what we get energy from versus what we're drained from or like how much stimulus we like to have, like how much change or, and I guess because you have a lot of stimulus in your house and in your life now all the time with four kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a little bit different, but I just feel like in general, like you tend to be, you tend to really like, I don't know, it's, I feel like you like change and... Well, I just, I get really bored Yeah, really easily. And I'm the opposite. Like, like you'll be like, oh, I listened, I like read this really interesting book and then I listened to this new interesting podcast and like, I'll be like, yeah, I, I reread this book <laughs> that I love for the 10th time and then I listened to the same <laughs> podcast um, yeah. that I've been listening to for the past five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess like, I just like, I get bored very easily and I like to change things up yeah and I guess that's good for having kids because you you really can't be bored with four kids yeah so let's talk about that (laughs) (laughs) well I actually want to go back in time a little bit because I just find it so interesting like when we were growing up I guess I'll give some context like Mm -hmm. so you're the oldest and then I'm 22 months younger than you right Um, I think so. Yeah. And then our younger brother, Jack, is about four years younger than me. And Mm -hmm. then Felicia is about five or six years younger than him. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Sophia is, well, she's 16 years younger than you and 14 years younger than me. Right. So when we were growing up, I remember I always strongly felt that I wanted to be a mom like Mm -hmm. I was like that little kid on the playground playing I'm a mom (laughs) (laughs) and because that's the thing yeah (laughs) yeah I always tended to be the one looking after little kids like Jack or Felicia or or Sophia Mm -hmm. in the family but also in extended family settings like I would be playing with the younger cousins and and things like that and I loved that like I loved being with and around little kids mm-hmm. um and then I don't know what happened but once I became an actual adult <laughs> um <laughs> that impulse of like I'm definitely gonna be a mom um mm-hmm. kind of like fled and I feel like you had mm. maybe a little not that I do not that I'm like I'm definitely not going to be or I don't want to be but just this like that very strong sense um, I, I think like fear took its place mm-hmm. rather than motivation. Um, and I feel like maybe you had a little bit of like, not the opposite experience, but you I were, would say the opposite. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you describe what your <laughs> experience was? Um, yeah. So 
I, I always knew I wanted kids one day. Like, I, I don't think I ever really thought, like, I'm never having kids. I might have said that once or twice when I was really frustrated with, like, you know, not having any privacy at home or just things being really chaotic with five kids um, and being the oldest of five. And um, I think, like, the stress of doing everything first kind of made me just, like, not really want to think about having kids because I was just, I felt like I had to do everything first, you know, just by the fact that I was the oldest. So I was going through everything first and I kind of felt like I had to like lead the way and I didn't really have anyone, you know, doing things before me to kind of show me how to do it. I just had to do it. Um, so I guess I kind of felt like a lot of responsibility early on. So thinking of like having children of my own was this huge thing that I didn't even really want to think about that much. Like, but like I said, in the back of my mind, I always knew I would have children one day. It was just kind of like one day. I didn't really want to think about like when. Um, and then like, as soon as me and Andy got married, it like completely, it just flipped. Like I was like, I want to be a young mom. I don't, I don't know why it changed so drastically, but like, I just had this gut feeling. Like I was just like, I need to move home and have kids while I'm young. Uh, like, I don't want to start having kids when I'm 35 or over like I just want to do it now so and that's also something that I feel like you have always been very future and forward looking like Mm -hmm. you've always been excited about the next chapter and like mom and dad always described it as you just like being this like serious little adult child that was like yeah well I I always wanted to be older than I was like even when I was like five I remember wanting to be like a teenager yeah which is really funny because my daughters say that now and like when I hear that I think it's so funny when when they say it like to hear a four-year-old be like I'm 15 or whatever but like I did the same exact thing and I remember having an existential meltdown when I turned nine (laughs) and realized that I was like halfway to adulthood like in my head 18 was an adult and when I was nine I remember like realizing that and being like but these years have gone so fast before I know it I'll be 18 and I don't want to grow up so again like I don't know we've been very yin and yang well I was like I think it's because I was the oldest and like I said I I was doing everything first I kind of had to have that like forward mentality like yeah I guess I didn't have to. I could have, you know, wanted to stay a kid and whatever. But, it's like, in order to – yeah, like, in order to be successful at a lot of things – and I wasn't, like, the bravest person ever, but I'm just saying in general, like, I kind of had to think that way to be – to actually be the oldest and to kind of lead in that way. Yeah. And I always saw you as very – and still do, but, like, even just growing up, saw you as very brave and independent and, like, strong – Oh, thank you. <laughs> I feel like you've always been very strong and like you've always had like grit and even the fact that when I don't remember how old you were, but when you broke your elbow and like you didn't mm-hmm. cry and like no one knew I think you, it was nine. No one knew you broke your elbow for like hours because you And that's just... also how my daughter is too. Like Lila is like that. Yeah. Like she'll get hurt and not want to tell me. And I know like me and her, we are so alike. So I can pick out exactly what she's thinking most of the time. And again, if I got a paper cut, I would be like, I'm dying, <laughs> mom. Like, And that's more like Violet. It's so yeah. funny. Well, the birth order thing I think is so interesting because 
because when I do watch Lila and Violet, mm-hmm. I I can I see it so strongly, like how much Lila mm-hmm. as the oldest is so much like you, and Violet the second girl, yeah, and the second child. I see a lot of similar similar traits. Yeah, um, to I me. do too. That's been one of the most interesting things for me to watch is just like, you know, because we were the oldest, the two oldest in our family. And now I have two older girls and then two younger boys. Like, it's really interesting for me to watch the two girls and, and think back to like when we were kids and go, oh, yeah, that, that's probably why Victoria reacted that way. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I see it in action and I probably wasn't really aware of things at the time. You know, when Sophia was born, I was 16 years old. So she was born into a full house, but I was so much older. We were so much older than her. And I had Teddy, you know, when Lila's still really young. So my span is five years to 10 months. Yeah. And he has so much fun with all of them. And he's only 10 months old. Like he just, I think he's going to walk like any day now. And that's just because he just wants to do every little thing that they're doing. And like, it's so cute to watch him and Henry, like Henry will be running around trying to like get him to chase him. And obviously Teddy can't chase him yet. Like he can only crawl so fast. (laughs) So like Henry's like running away and like giggling and stuff. And like Teddy totally gets what's going on. He just can't run. He can't run yet. (laughs) So he's just like, like he has this look on his face. Like he's so excited, but he can't do it. But like, that's the kind of thing you don't get, you know, if you're born with a sibling that's way older than you or, you know, if there's a ton of space in between siblings, like you don't get that connection with all of your older siblings. So. Yeah. I think that Sophia is the most like an only child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You and I were so much older than her that we are her sisters, but like, I don't know. Like, I've well, never we've already f- gone I've, through all of these major things that she's just going through, like now. And I've never fought with Sophia. Like, right? Like, we were in the thick <laughs> of it. I was just, I, I was just telling this to someone the other day. I think it was Lila and Violet. Like, they were fighting over clothes already. Oh my and, gosh! <laughs> yeah, and um, I think Sophia was here, and I was like, "See, Sophia, you don't understand this because I don't think you and Felicia have ever shared clothes." And yeah. they looked at me and they were like, "No." But, like, me and you share clothes all the time, and we always fought about it. Like, that's just a known thing. Like, sisters share clothes, and they fight about it, you know? But that's just, like, one of those things that seemed to make, like, such a big impact. Like, us sharing clothes. Like, us sharing everything, basically. (laughs) I remember, like, when we were both in high school, we would see each other in the hallway, and one of us would be like, you're wearing my shirt! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was looking for that! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So actually, maybe we should talk about high school a little bit because you met Andy, okay. your husband, mm-hmm. uh, when you were fourteen. So like a lot of your life is fairly counter thirteen actually, oh, like 13. a week before I turned fourteen. That's right. <laughs> a lot of your life is like pretty countercultural for where the the place and time where we live. Um, right. You met your husband when you were thirteen. You started dating the fall mm-hmm. of your freshman year of high school when you were yep. fourteen. Dating is a, yeah, you know, in the in the loose, in a loose way, like hanging out as friends and yeah. What was that like for you, in terms of having to be the first one to do everything, especially yeah. like being younger? Like, 
I guess it can, like, people's experiences as teenagers and in high school can vary so much. I feel like there are people that are Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I had, like, five boyfriends or girlfriends by the time I was, you know, 15. And other people are like, I didn't start dating until college. So it can be, like, so variable. But what was it like for you to be the first? It was really awkward. I didn't want to tell mom and dad at all. Yeah. and But I also didn't want to lie about it because I knew, like, if it was going to be... If it was going to be successful, I guess, you know, if, if I did really like him, like I wanted to hang out with him and stuff, I didn't want it to be this like secretive thing. Yeah, I don't remember exactly when I told mom, but I just know it was kind of awkward. And then she kind of yelled at me like she was like, you're not supposed to be dating yet. Like, we don't want you to date yet. And we got into like fights about it. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Um, which now I like look back. I'm like, that's pretty terrible that I said that um but at the same time like you know I feel like mom's very understanding and I feel like she could tell that I just really liked him as a friend like I think in the end like she was okay with it because she could tell that we were we were really just good friends at first and like you know it was very like innocent it wasn't like I was sneaking out all the time or anything um so he really became like one of my best friends was music a big bonding factor from the beginning for you guys yeah I think I mean you'd have to ask him but I think him knowing that I sang was also like a huge reason why he was interested in me because he was like oh I play bass you sing like we both do music that's cool you know yeah yeah and you like pretty quickly became close with his family too right yeah, well, that was the other thing. They were just so inviting, and they were just so, like, yeah, come over whenever, and come do this with us, come do that. Just, like, so welcoming in every single way. And I was so, like, what is this? Like, I had no idea, I don't know, that you could just be that welcoming to someone you didn't know. Not that, like, our family isn't welcoming, but we're just more on the shy side, I guess. And his family was just so, you know, friendly and... Their door was just always open and pe- it was just like a revolving door of people coming in and out, like yeah, friends like, and, you know, you don't knock on their door. You just walk in. Yeah. Can I hear a little baby? Yep. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> there have been a lot of cats meowing on this. Um, no babies yet. Out the first baby appearance. You almost had like a, a second, you know, additional family that you got to like mm-hmm. have different experiences with. And mm-hmm. I know I've heard Alan's um, story or Andy's dad's story about this, but at what point did you decide that you were going to marry Andy? <laughs> hmm, I don't, I want to know what his story is because I don't remember when I told him. <laughs> oh, he just has said that like when you guys were like 15, mm-hmm. you told him that you were going to get married. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know like I just get a gut feeling about things and like I I think it was more like why would we break up you know like I didn't want to break up so if I wasn't going to break up the only (laughs) the only other thing that my brain would lead me to is that we were going to get married Mm -hmm. and I mean like we were very young so I I know like maybe I didn't know if it was going to work out or not but I think a lot of the choices we made were based on that idea that we were going to stay together. 
So yeah, because you you did decide to go to the same college, so you both went to University of North Texas to study. Mm-hmm. He, Andy was going to study jazz, uh, bass performance, right? And mm-hmm. you were a vocal performance major. Yep, jazz. Yep. What was that decision like? Did it ever enter your mind that you wouldn't go to the same college? Um, and we kind of talked about it, but I think because we were trying to go for the same thing, it just made so much sense to try to go together. Like, it wasn't like I was going for, you know, accounting or whatever, you know, something completely different. He mentioned UNT because his dad told him about UNT. And when I heard Texas, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Like, (laughs) it's just too far. And I didn't really want to go to the South. Like, but then the more he told me about it and how good the program was and everything, I thought, okay, maybe I'll just look into it. So I started looking into it. And then when I was reading about how good the program was, like, I kind of started getting excited about it. And then in order to audition, we had to go there. So his parents took me there so we could both audition together. And that's when I, like, really, I was like, okay, I want to go here. Um, Just because the the program was, like, so much better than any other place that I'd gone to or read about. Again, thinking about how, like, different our experiences have been. I went to, Mm -hmm. like, a really small school in New Jersey an hour from home. Mm-hmm. And you went to a really big school in Texas. Um, and I remember, like, being so sad <laughs> when you left because I was just Aww. like, well, it's funny to look back now because in my mind, I didn't know that you were going to end up, you know, moving back to New Jersey and buying a house right. 10 minutes from mom and dad's house, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, in my mind, I was like, well she's going to Texas, like, she might not, like, come back, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I might end up only seeing her, like, once or twice a year. Which for a little while was kind of true. Yeah, for, I mean, because while you were in school, you spent most summer, I think you only came home for a full summer, like, one year. Yeah, right? we came home the first summer, and I did community college classes that summer at home. And then after that, I got it, you know... I was in a band, so I stayed there pretty much the whole time. Did you think, like, the way that I was thinking into the future, like, my sister's gone forever, <laughs> like, in my <laughs> dramatic way, um, did you think that far into the future when you, what, like, when you decided to go, was it scary for you to leave home? Were you like, this is it forever, or how were you thinking about it? I was definitely scared, but I was more excited than scared. Like, that was definitely part of the allure of the school when we went there. It was just, like, it was so far, and it was so different. Like, Texas is so different from here. Um, And I think that just made me really excited to just have a completely different experience. Like, not just the school, but just where I was. So that was mainly exciting to me. I think it kind of hit me, like, you know, probably a month in or so. Like, I was homesick, and I was kind of like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm so far away. But having Andy there obviously made it a lot easier because I wasn't completely alone. Yeah. And I think about that a lot, you know, when I think back to college, I'm like, that would have been a completely different experience if I had gone alone. But I don't, like, regret it in any way. I'm curious how that experience impacted your decision to get married when you guys were really young. Like, you were both, you got married, like, right before you turned 22. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, I don't know, I just get the sense that your college experience, like, really influenced your that decision in, in, like, various ways. Yeah, I guess, well, my college experience 
was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I, I feel like it was very, it was not the like normal college experience that most people have um, because of the program that we were in. It was just so intense. And we just met so many talented people and we basically heard, you know, like award-winning music like every day, all day for four and a half years. Like, well, everyone at the school was just, they've worked with, you know, a ton of famous people and just amazing musicians. And Nora Jones went to UNT for two years, right? Yeah. And there's just like, there's so much like respect for these people and for the program there. And that was also completely new to me because we didn't have like the best music program in high school. And I feel like I was always kind of searching for that place where I would belong, like, you know, that that community of people that were really serious about it that I didn't have in high school. So that was completely different for me to finally be around people that took it as seriously as I did and probably a lot more seriously, honestly. Um, There were just people that could do things I didn't even know, you know, I had no idea how to do. I had to learn how to read music when I got there. Um, the amount that I learned in four years was crazy. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was just like a really intense, competitive, pretty stressful experience, but also like really fun and really like, I- I'm so glad I did it. Because you were also like, you mentioned you were in a band a lot of the time. So you were like working, like you were s- playing at clubs and things like that. It was very physical. Yeah. Like my degree was, you know, I was constantly trying not to get sick. Or if I was sick, I was just trying to, like, get through all my classes without losing my voice, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to the doctor a lot. I think I got bronchitis, like, three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd always, like, all the music majors would joke because a lot of the classes we had to take were, like, at 8 a.m. and really long and we had to take a lot of classes. Like I can't remember how many credits is like your average amount of credits for college, but we had to take so many more because every class we took was like one credit, Mm -hmm. even though they'd be like three times a week, it would be like a rehearsal. Like in my jazz singers, it was like, Oh, this is one credit, but it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so, you know, you can't take that many classes when your one credit classes take up all your schedule. Right. So, um, so I did summer classes every single summer and I still took an extra semester at the end to graduate. So it was just really intense. Being in the South where people do tend to get married a little bit younger than they do like here in New Jersey. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like that influenced your think your like decision at all when you thought about when you and Andy wanted to get married? Like, Actually, no, because most of the, I didn't really know anyone getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, because Denton is kind of like a little Austin. It's like very liberal. Mm-hmm. So the only times I really like felt like I was in like Texas was when I like ventured out outside of like our school town. Um, so actually, I think it was more just being away. Sorry, Teddy's like talking. <laughs> it was like being away that made me realize like, you know, we have all this family there and we're kind of missing everything. Mm. and you know Sophia was still really young and that was I it was really hard for me to leave Sophia because she was like two and that's always been like my age where I just feel like the kids are just so cute when they're two like they can kind of communicate with you 
um, but they still like are kind of hard to understand, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Henry. And they're just so cute. Like they're just developing their personalities and stuff. And like I have a lot of like fond memories of like being with Sophia when she was that age. So I remember like coming back and she would like not know who I was. Yeah. And I was like, this is weird. Like it just it didn't feel right. So I think like basically what it came down to was we were just like talking about what we wanted to do when we got done. And I was like, I don't really want to stay here. Like it's just too far from everybody and I also didn't like being far away from the beach and everything. Like, I just felt geographically, I didn't feel like I fit there. So, yeah, we were just like, let's just go home when I'm done. I think I was really surprised by that. When we were just when we were deciding what to do, I knew I didn't want to stay there, like, in Denton for that much longer. Like, I wasn't totally happy in the band I was in. I was getting pretty sick of, like, same, singing the same things. And, like, playing at the same clubs, like, over and over again. And uh, my my voice had just taken a huge beating just from going to school and, like, doing all these different things and, like, getting sick and just not really taking care of myself the way I should have. So I think I knew deep down that, like, I really needed a break. Like, just from music in general, like, I really needed a break. Um, so I think I kind of had that, like, gut feeling You know, like, I think this isn't really good for me. Like, I think I would have just ended up losing my voice, like, forever. Yeah. (laughs) Because I just, like, couldn't keep it going. Like you said, you've always been pretty decisive and you, like, go with your gut. But there are so many people who, like, when they're really young, they want to, like, date around or, like, you know, be free or be unencumbered by another person or a commitment. Like... When you guys decided to get married, I mean, you were 20 or 21 when you got engaged? 21, I guess? I think, yeah, yeah I think 21. Yeah, we were 21. Yeah. Because okay. we were only engaged for like eight months. Yeah. So what was that like, <laughs> making that decision? Were you ever like scared or? Yeah, I was definitely, we were definitely like kind of scared. We were like, like we, we wanted to do it, but we were also kind of like, we don't know how to do it. Because, like, no one else has done it yet, (laughs) you know, that we knew. Like, I think I could count how many weddings I had been to, you know, on one hand, like, for family members. Like, I had no idea really what to do. Um, You were the first again. (laughs) Yeah, I was the first again. I guess that's why, like, I'm just used to doing things first. So I was just very like, okay, let's just, we'll figure it out. But, like, on an existential level, were you scared? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's where we're so different. <laughs> no, I mean, I get really strong gut feelings, like, pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just listen to them. Oh, my god. And gosh. sometimes I know, sometimes I know why, and sometimes I don't. Like, when I was saying to you, like, I think I needed a break from all that, like, chaotic stuff in, in college. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't really like sitting there being like, well, yeah, I definitely, I was like, I need a break, but I wasn't sitting there going like leaving here will give me the rest that I need. You know, like I wasn't Mm. thinking like, I must go there to rest. Like I wasn't really thinking that way. I was just thinking like, I need to get out of this situation. Right. And I think going home is a good idea. Yeah. I wish I had more of that too. Um, If I'm out of breath, it's because I'm holding him and he's 22 pounds. <laughs> he won't let me put him down. So you said, like, when you got married, you felt that, okay, it's time to have kids, right? Yeah, I had a, like, major body 
like my body clock started, I guess. Hmm. Like I was like, oh, I need a baby. I don't know why. That's so interesting because I just am so not like But that. also what I was going to say before, when I was in college, like when we were deciding to get married and stuff, I, I've kind of always felt like I've had two major goals and they conflict with one another. Mm. Like from all the people that we went to school with that I follow online, like on Facebook and stuff, like I only know a few people that are married and I know even fewer with kids. Yeah. Like it doesn't really go with our musician lifestyle at all. So when I knew that I wanted to have kids, like I was very optimistic about being a musician and having kids and stuff, but I didn't really know what that looked like because I didn't really know anyone that was doing that. And I've always kind of just felt like the two don't really, like, I, I've never really known how to deal with it. And I guess that's what we're kind of working out now is, like, how do I do this thing that I love to do and also have a family and have this kind of normal suburban life? Yeah, so talk about, like, were you scared? Like, <laughs> what was it like What was it like to to be like, okay. I think it's time to have a baby now and being so young and like figure being musicians and kind of like having, you know, a lifestyle that can be like a little bit more, a little bit less stable than like a nine to five desk job, you know, like it can be, like you said, it's very physical. The hours are, you know, like nights, weekends, holidays, things like that. Um, yeah. What was it like to decide all right, we're going to, we're going to have a baby. I think at first I thought the schedule and stuff was a good thing because I could make my own schedule and, and, and Andy could too. So it felt very like, Oh, we have so much freedom. Like we're not tied down to this nine to five thing where we're just gone all day, you know? And then, um, I also was living with his parents, so we had, like, a ton of help. And then we're also 10 minutes away from my parents. So I just had so much help. Um, If I ever needed anyone to watch Lila, like, I had numerous people that I could call. Um, So in that sense, I felt like it was a really good job to have and have a baby because, you know, there was so much freedom with it. Um, And now I kind of see the opposite side of that. Now that I've been doing it for a while, yeah. Um, which is that? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not really working now, but Andy obviously is, and it's really hard because, like you said, the hours are really weird. Like he works basically every day. He doesn't really start till like 2 p.m., but then he's usually home really late, like pretty much every night. He's usually like teaching during the day, and then he has a gig at night. Um, so like I'm basically alone with the kids from the time Lila gets home from school till they go to bed. So that's really hard. Yeah. But when it's, when you have one baby, it's not so big of a deal. And when they're really young, it's, you know, they're not on like a typical schedule anyway. So it's very like whatever you want to make it, you know, it's, it can be very like, um, what's the word you can kind of just adapt, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not as big of a deal, but when you have four and the oldest is five, you know, she's going to school. My four-year-old's in preschool. Um, I'm potty training my two-year-old pretty soon. I mean, like, there's all these, like, time constraints now and, like, scheduling that didn't exist before. So 
I can't do a gig now. I can't gig till 2 a.m. and wake up at 7 a.m. with my two-year-olds. I just can't. Yeah. Yeah, for a while there, for the first, like, three years of your motherhood, I feel Mm -hmm. like two or three years, you were, I mean, I don't know how you did it. (laughs) Even just when we lived. I mean, just physically, like, even when you were pregnant and you were gigging, like, when I've done gigs here and there, like, standing in heels for a few hours as a, you know, moderately healthy (laughs) young person. I've done a lot of gigs pregnant. I think I've almost done more gigs pregnant than not pregnant. It feels like that. Oh, my gosh. Like, so just, like, physically, um, I just can't, like, you have a lot of willpower and stamina because like it is really physically demanding um yeah were you motivated by the fact that you know you're working but you are also doing something that you love like was it hard for you to decide to cut back yeah I feel like I never really made the decision like because I don't have like a set job it was more just like okay I can't do this anymore I'm gonna say no to that I'm gonna say no to that you know it was just like eventually kind of coming to terms with the fact that I couldn't say yes to everything anymore. And, and like as a musician, like that feels so wrong because you just take work when you get it. Like that's just, and it was so funny because even this past time, like right after I had Teddy, like 10 months ago, I get a text from a guy, um, you know, that we know from other gigs that we've done. And he's like, I really need someone for every Wednesday. And I'm like, uh, I just had a, baby like (laughs) but I didn't even say no I I did it for a little while you know with Jack our brother um and then eventually I was like I can't do this anymore like I couldn't even do every other Wednesday night it was just too much yeah yeah and it's not even that I don't enjoy it when I'm there and I like I feel so stupid complaining about it because it's like it's such a fun thing like it I feel really dumb being like oh it's so hard singing some songs (laughs) for a couple hours you know what I mean um but you've always like really explained to me very eloquently that like when people expect musicians to like do things for free you know or just because you're doing something that you love like you know to prove themselves so much like well give you know you should you should be able to, you know, perform for free to, to prove that you're like good enough or you sh- mm-hmm. whatever. Like there's so much work that goes into it beyond the actual couple yeah, of well, hours the, that you're spending there. Like there's the preparation of like the hardest part now, like I, I don't mean to cut you off, but mm-hmm. the hardest part with kids is the preparation. Yeah. And not just like the getting ready for the gig. I mean like learning songs yeah. Or just just organizing it, you know, like getting to a rehearsal for it, you know, for my wedding band or something like it's so much harder just preparing than actually doing. Once I'm at the gig, I'm fine. You know, once I'm there, I'm singing, I'm fine. I I feel like just from having done some gig, like we didn't mention this, but the first year that you came back to New Jersey, Mm -hmm. we were in a 90s cover band called Full House. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, (laughs) and I was always struck by like I mean that was also a big band like how many people six or seven of us I don't know so like there was a lot of equipment but mm-hmm. even just like the amount of time it takes to like get there and set up all of that equipment and yeah. make sure everything's working properly and make sure the sound is good and then 
Like when you're done at the end of the night, tearing everything down and bringing it all out mm-hmm. to the car, like takes a lot of time and is very physical again. And mm-hmm. I mean, you would be pregnant, like picking up your, like you'd be like tearing down the speaker or whatever, and like in your heels, pregnant, like lugging <laughs> stuff out to the car, just like it was nothing. And yeah. Well, physically I was like very unfazed. The first two pregnancies were well, they weren't easy. They were never easy, but I think I bounced back quicker and I did have more energy. And then like the last two took more of a toll on me. Yeah. And I'm a little bit older, so I'm sure that has something to do with it. <laughs> but also just, you know, ha- the lack of sleep over time doesn't help. Yeah. Cause you're also taking care of other babies. <laughs> right. So. Like in the past when I had Lila, I would just sleep later the next day like when she was a baby baby like really young you can kind of like coast if you co-sleep you can kind of just like sleep with them later and like when they're not on a schedule or anything yet at least that's what I did um you know I just I would just like sleep in with Lila and I would just like keep her with me and like you know nurse her or whatever and I could kind of just get away with like kind of napping with her but you can't do that when you have like a toddler running around or two toddlers running around. And it's just not even yeah. an option, you know? You mentioned how you get very strong, like gut feelings. How did you feel as a new mom? Did you feel like with your kids or with your baby, like when you had Lila, did you feel mm-hmm. with her like you had strong feelings, um, strong like gut instincts about being a mother? and taking care of a baby um or were you like holy crap like (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to do with this thing (laughs) um definitely more of the second one um but I wasn't ever really scared yeah I was more just like hmm this isn't what I thought it was gonna be you know (laughs) um I don't really know if you can ever really prepare like I mean, you can do all these different things to kind of prepare for the baby, but there's nothing anyone can tell you or anything you're going to read that's going to really prepare you for your first baby. Yeah. I haven't seen the sun in days. I'm waiting patiently for So I think kind of, I kind of like knew that and I kind of like, you know, like I trusted myself to just kind of learn as I went. And I also, I didn't feel alone because we lived with Andy's parents and Fiona was, you know, really helpful and like showed me how to do a lot of stuff. And 
I think because I wasn't alone, like I didn't feel so scared about like if I was worried about Lila being sick or something. Um, I didn't feel this huge like anxiety over it. I would just kind of like talk to Fiona about it or, you know, I didn't feel alone. So I think that was huge. I think it's been really cool to see how like, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. (laughs) But like we really do have this like village between four grandparents and then having, you know, like Felicia and Sophia. And so, yeah, like I guess that is a huge. That's been. Yeah. I mean, I could never do all of this without everybody. Yeah. There's just no way. I don't know how people live far away from their families and have kids. I just don't. Even one kid. I mean, it would just be so hard. I think people have to, like, I mean, don't have to, but it, it it really helps if they're not near their actual family for them to be supported by some sort of community that they form yeah. or that they mm-hmm. join, like a church community or something like that. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you just, like, can't do it alone. Which I know a few different families that – um like have lived here and then once they had like their second baby they moved to be closer to family because they were just like I can't we can't be like so far anymore we just need more help I mean social media has helped a lot in that way because people can come out and say like you know mothers should ask for help and mothers don't need to do it all by themselves and you know people can say things online that they might not normally say in person and sometimes it's it. They're good things that they're just scared to say in person. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's so. an interesting point that because we often think or talk about how the anonymity of the internet can lead people to say terrible things that they wouldn't say mm-hmm. in person. But that's mm-hmm. a good point too. That I was actually just listening to the Yoga Girl podcast, and she was saying like that it's a lot easier for her to be vulnerable. On her so on her social media um, mm. accounts, than it is for her to like sit with one person in a room and like look them in the eye and tell them yeah. something. And she was yeah. saying, obviously, she she's like working on that. Like she she wants to be able to do both, but kind of like you're saying, sometimes it is easier to share the reality of your situation because you can find your community yeah. online from all over the world, and you're not just relying on the people that you know here right now so because like for you 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 started having kids a lot younger than anyone else that you knew so Mm -hmm. do you feel like you use the internet to kind of to find people that you could relate to like other young moms or just moms in general and just a way to try to connect even if you're even if you're just looking at their content even if you're not interacting with them necessarily I haven't really like connected with any like strangers online, like other moms that I didn't know at all, but just hearing people, just reading things that people have written, like, Oh, I'm so tired because my two year old wouldn't go to sleep and blah, blah. You know, just hearing other people say like exactly what I'm thinking in that, in that moment yeah, makes you feel less alone because you're like, we could be worlds apart right now, but we are going through the same thing. You know, there's something just really lonely about being, with little children all day, like, I mean, and I love being with my kids, but after a while you're like, I need to go talk to an adult. 
<laughs> like you're just yeah. like it's not the same you know yeah um so yeah it can definitely feel a little lonely at times which is weird because I always have four people with me but yeah. <laughs> or you know at least like two I, I think I, everyone has like expectations before they become parents and a lot of them are probably you know wrong um so I think in my head I was like well if I ever feel bad when that happens or if my kid ever does that like at least it's my kid so I can mm -hmm. I can control the situation and you know I can do what I need to do but like once you're actually in it you're like wait I don't know what to do mm -hmm. and I this doesn't feel better just because they're my kid, you know, like if anything, it feels worse because there's right. more pressure. Right. Like I'm, the you know, one when I was babysitting, this. yeah, if I was babysitting, it's not like I didn't care. You know, I would, I would try to discipline them and as best as I could. And I would, and, and mainly kids are really good for babysitters anyway, because they really test their limits with their mom or their dad anyway. Like whoever they're with all the time is who they test more. Um, so yeah, when I was babysitting, it was pretty easy because the kids were excited that I was there and I would just play with them and I wasn't exhausted and then I would go home and I was getting paid, you know? Yeah. And when it's your own child... You are yeah, not getting paid. <laughs> you, are not, you are not getting paid <laughs> and you are exhausted. Yeah. And, um, and also, how does one even play? Oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing that I've... <laughs> we've talked about um i just want to throw it out there because like violet asked me to play dolls with her the other day and i was like okay and like often <laughs> with lila and violet like i have deflected from playing dolls or like mm. play like i'll be like let's read a book let's color like i'll let's right. play hide and seek like i'll do things with them but i've been like i don't know how to play anymore which mm. i don't know what that says but yeah. <laughs> it's I hard, think it's just right? hard because like you're in the adult real world <laughs> and like trying to get back down into their little imaginary world, especially when you're going through something really stressful, like, you know, just everyday stuff, just everyday adult stuff that's stressful. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard for me at least. And I probably a lot of other people to just kind of forget about that for a little while yeah. and like play Barbies for an hour. Like yeah. I just... You know, well, I think there's a certain thing like I try to do more things that I like to do with them because they say that kids benefit more from when their parents are doing things that they also enjoy with them. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm like you with that, too. I like to read books. I like to color. I like to do things that are very black and white where I don't have to like make up an elaborate game. Mm hmm. That you know, that just have I like Legos and like, you know, I'll always watch a movie with them and just like. Stuff like that. I'm not great at, like, coming up with imaginary games and, like, stuff like that. I but also, having four totally different ages is really, it, it's really challenging with the play. Yeah. Because, I like, I have a lot of guilt when my daughters come up to me and are like, Mom, we want to do this. And, like, I'm holding the baby. And yeah, Henry's asking me for some, you know, like, I'm pulled in every direction pretty much constantly. So... I have to say no, like, all the time. Yeah. So that's that's one of the cons, I guess, to having them so close together. But they also learn how to play with each other. I mean, like, Lila and Violet are best friends, so they have each other. 
to play with, which is great. At least when Lila's not at school. Yeah. Um, and Violet's actually really good at like playing by herself when Lila is at school. So I got lucky in that respect. Um, but I'm also like trying to remind myself that once Teddy's a little bit older, I will have more time. Yeah. And, and then especially as he's older, like and able to do things with them, like we can all do things together. So, yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's, it must be important to try to keep the long view in mind when you have little kids. That is like the number one thing I would tell someone that's about to become a parent or wants to be a parent. It's just like, don't, don't think, because I, I'm very much, I, you always say I'm like very forward thinking, but as a parent, I am so like, this is forever. This is, this is so hard. I'm never going to sleep again. They're never going to sleep. They're never going to be potty trained. They're never going to eat this food. They're never going to do this. They're never going to like, that's for some reason how my mind works when it comes to parenting. Like I'm just thinking, cause I think it's so unlike anything else that we go through in life. Like we just think, you know, Oh, well, this is how they are. So that's yeah. it. Yeah. Like it's, but it's not true. They just change so much every year, you know? So to not get caught in that mindset of like, this is forever. Cause it's so fleeting. It's like, yeah. it goes by so fast. And it's like, you have to find that balance of like being present, like just being in the present with what's happening, but also remembering like that, like, yeah, keeping that long view in mind. And you know, what's funny is like, so often when you're talking about parenting, I often am like, I feel like I've been learning how to like, you know, parent myself. <laughs> and so often what you're talking about in terms of the kids, I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to learn how to do with myself. Oh, no, like, it, it definitely has helped me a lot with that, yeah. too. I mean, I've definitely because I had Lila so young, I've been kind of growing up with them. I feel like, you know, I've, yeah. I've been becoming a more mature adult as they get older. And I'm definitely more wise than I was now having Teddy than I was when I had Lila, you know. That's why I can have you on the podcast now. Because <laughs> I'm wise. You're, now you're wise. I'm so wise. Um, oh, I'm sure I'll laugh at this, like, looking back in, like, 10, 20 years when my kids are older. And I'll be like, oh, remember when I thought I knew, like, anything? <laughs> but, I mean, I'm pretty confident I can take care of a baby or a toddler now. I'm pretty confident about yeah. that. I can change diapers with my eyes closed, so... <laughs> And what you were saying about keeping, keeping, like remembering that it's not going to be like how it is right now. It's not going to be that way forever. Like I started seeing a new therapist recently and, um, was talking about different things related to anxiety. And I was like, if I knew that this wasn't going to be forever, like if I knew that this thing was temporary, I would feel so much more calm about it. Mm-hmm. But I always get into this place of like, and this is forever. Like, particularly when it comes to something <laughs> physical, you know, like, yeah. I don't know yeah. why, but my mind just goes to like, well, I don't know why it is either. Cause I, like you said, I'm pretty forward thinking most of the time. So I don't know why with kids, I just like immediately think this is forever. I think, I think when emotions are really strong yeah. and like really, yeah overwhelming it can feel like well why wouldn't this be forever because this is the reality now yeah and I'm just trying so hard to deal with it in the moment that it's so hard for me to think clearly and think oh he's having a tantrum because he's two and he's gonna be 
10 soon, you know, like, and I think he's not going to be two forever. The days, the day can just feel so long with kids. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's so moment by moment. Like, I remember feeling when I was like, when I would babysit Lila or Violet when they were like little babies, like, I was like, wow, this is just like the biggest practice in being present Mm. in the moment because you have to take whatever you can get. Like mm-hmm. if it's, if the baby is having a hard night where she's crying on and off a lot, then like any moment where she's calm and it's yeah. quiet, like you just have to like savor that moment. And then <laughs> the next moment where she's freaking out, like it can just feel so long. So yeah. And know, I actually, it... sorry, I didn't, I didn't no, mean no, to cut no. you off. I was saying that to my friend, who just had her first baby. I think I was saying this to her that I actually think it's harder to have just have one baby now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think, cause I, I remember back when I just had Lila and like you said, the day can feel so long, like when they're just a baby and they can't really do much yet and they're crying and there's just, there's so much to do and yet not yeah. like you're just, you can't talk to them yet, you know? So you can be as happy as can be with them, but you know, it's still exhausting. It's still draining. And now once you have another child, when you have another baby, um, you know, there's more going on. It's harder, but it's also more fun because you're like, okay, I can, we can play games now. We can read books together. Like there's a little bit more, you know, there's just more stuff going on. So at least that's how I experience it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know some people would probably think, oh, that sounds like too much, but well, and again, like kind of going back to the beginning, like I think that like you tend to thrive on having a lot to do and like you do well with a lot of different things going on. I mean, you're human. So obviously like if if everyone's screaming and whatever, like I'm sure mm-hmm. you don't, that's not great. But, um, but yeah, I've like- always liked being around a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't really so much love being the center of attention, but I want to be, like, around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to be in a group and a lot of the time. It's been really fun to watch you, like, play with them and, like, be silly with them because, like you said, like, you do have, like, your serious, quiet side, but then, like, you definitely have, like, your silly side. And it's, like, really fun to watch you be like that with them I think that's one of the things that they've been teaching me you know is to just is how to play more and how to be sillier and yeah and just like you because sometimes you just have to out of necessity like when you're alone with the kids and it's like the seventh hour of being alone with them you know and you're like tired but they're being crazy and you're just like you know what I could be like miserable and just ruin this and just make it just make everyone miserable or I could just like laugh Mm -hmm. at the fact that he poured water all over himself or Mm -hmm. whatever you know what I mean like instead of choosing to be mad you can just choose to like make it funny yeah and that kind of saves you because you just go crazy yeah if you didn't you would just go nuts you can't take everything too serious like you have to have a sense of humor yeah and then there's definitely nights many many nights where I can't do that yeah and I'm just so tired (gasps) And I, you know, lose my temper or I just feel really just overwhelmed. But I think for the most part, I've learned, like, especially since I had Lila, I think I used to get a lot more overwhelmed with things. And now, 
you know, that I'm on my fourth, I'm like, well, when a lot of, a lot of stuff can go wrong, I have a much higher tolerance for it. Yeah. Whereas like with Lila, if she would do like one bad thing, I'd be like, oh. And you learn like what's actually a problem. Like you exactly, learn, you like, pick your battles. Yeah. And... What are you actually going to get worked up about? Yeah, like back when I had just Lila, I probably would have like if someone was like, "Hey, can I interview you while you hold your baby?" Like <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, "I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> but that also played into like why I stopped working because I couldn't handle like I felt like I couldn't be so relaxed when I was home because I knew I had all these things that I had to do. Mm. So like. That was really stressful for me. Yeah. Like, I felt like I couldn't enjoy my time with them as much because I was like, oh, I have to get ready for this. I have to do that. And, and then that would end up making me freak out on them or, like, you know, losing my temper quicker or whatever. Um, so now, like, now that I'm not working, that part of it at least is a lot less stressful because I don't have to worry about being anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, like, so I'm lucky I can do that. So with Teddy, your fourth baby, um, a couple months after you had him, you started getting like really bad anxiety, right? About five uh, months, yeah. Five months after. Mm-hmm. And then ended up getting, ended up finding out that you had postpartum anxiety, mm-hmm. um, which like most people, when they hear postpartum, think of postpartum depression. Yeah. Um, it's all kind of one, like I call it postpartum depression, mm-hmm. but it's mainly anxiety. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe could you talk about that a little bit? Like, what made you realize, like, oh, something is off? Well, it kind of, it just, it started, I felt like it wasn't gradual. I had, like, a panic attack. And after that, I just didn't feel like myself. I just, like, I I would wake up every single day with my heart racing for absolutely no reason. And I didn't know why I had a panic attack either. There was no... Did you know that it was a panic attack? Like... I knew it was a panic attack. Yeah. Because I'd had, like, similar experiences, like, a few times. Like, maybe in high school or college. Um, And I'd heard a lot about it just from other people. So, I knew what it was. But I didn't know why it was happening to me. Because, like I said, there was no trigger. There was nothing, like... It wasn't, like, an extreme event happened and then I had a panic attack. It was just, like, out of nowhere. Um, and it was still like just as scary, even though I knew what it was. Like I was like hyperventilating and I felt really dizzy. Like I felt like I was going to pass out and, you know, just the whole, the whole terrible experience. And I felt like some, I don't know, like someone had just broken into my house or something. Like that's kind of the feeling I had. Like I was just like in fight or flight mode. Um, so that was really weird. For me, I'm just not usually like that anxious of a person. Like I get, you know, I'd have anxiety about stuff, but like it was more mental, like, oh, I'm worried about this. So what am I going to do? It was very like productive anxiety. Yeah. It was never physically manifested like as a panic attack or as my heart racing or anything like that. Um, or at least not for a long time. I'd had, I had anxiety in high school and college and stuff here and there, but they were always triggered by some kind of event or, you know, like a test or, or something really stressful that was hard for me to deal with. So this came out of nowhere. Um, besides that, I lost my appetite. Like I just couldn't eat for like a month. I, I mean, I kept myself eating. I was, I'm breastfeeding. So I was like, I need to just keep eating 
but I wasn't like snacking at all. I would just like eat small meals because I knew I had to. I wasn't like nothing tasted good to me anymore. And that was like really weird for me because I just I love to eat <laughs> like mm-hmm. I love food. So that was one of the besides the panic attack. That was like one of the first things where I was like, OK, something. I'm like really sick. I must be just really sick. So I was kind of in denial. I was like, maybe I'm just actually like I have the flu or something because that's what it felt like. Um you know, my stomach was upset all the time. I couldn't eat. I was having headaches all the time. Um, but I didn't think it was postpartum depression because I didn't feel depressed. Like I wasn't really sad all the time, even though it didn't eventually turn into, I was crying a lot, but mainly because I was scared because I was just so anxious all the time. So for a little while, like I talked to mom about it and, you know, I opened up to people around me but I was like, I think it's like a hormonal thing. And it wasn't like totally overwhelming at that point. So I was kind of just like, maybe it'll go away. Like I kind of just didn't want to think about it too much. So I stopped drinking caffeine because that was like one of the first things I did. I was like, I can't have too much caffeine or else I'm going to just have a panic attack. So I cut that out. Um, and you love coffee. so that was And like, I love coffee. Yeah. So that was like really hard for me, but it also wasn't hard because I was terrified. Yeah. I was like, I can't ever feel like that again. Cause that was terrifying. Yeah. And I think if I had been alone, it would have been scary, but to be with your kids, like by yourself with your kids. Yeah. I just felt so like, it's just terrifying because yeah. you're like, I'm the only person here taking care of these kids yeah. and what's happening to me, yeah. you know? And even though I knew it was, anxiety and was probably wasn't going to kill me when you're in that moment yeah, it doesn't really make it any better it doesn't make it better you're just like well I still feel like everything's terrible yeah. so you know um so yeah I guess it took me like a couple months to really like reach out for actual professional help because I was it was actually started getting a little bit better after I gave up caffeine I tried to really um I tried to exercise a little bit. I was trying to go to sleep earlier. I was trying to get more sleep, which is almost impossible with four kids. But I was trying to get more sleep. So it started to kind of help. And I was like, maybe it's going away. But then it just came back like full force, like Mm -hmm. even worse than when it started. And I was having panic attacks like every time I left the house for no apparent reason, Um, which is also not like me at all. I usually love going out. Like I love going out to restaurants. I love going out shopping. I love doing stuff. So to not be able to leave my house, I was like terrified. I was like, what is happening to me? Um, so eventually I reached out and I started seeing a therapist and that was just so helpful because I found a really good one. So, and I know that you said like, finding a therapist who actually specializes in postpartum issues like was really huge because she actually understood like right away what you were going through and was able to normalize a lot of things for you and like she was very knowledgeable about that which not everyone is I'd actually seen another therapist earlier um before it all happened and she just, we didn't like click very well. And I kind of mentioned, I, I was feeling a little stressed out, like more than usual. Um, and I kind of mentioned like, it's, could this be like a hormonal thing? And she was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so I was like, I really need to see like a specialist. So I found someone 
that just does like postpartum, um, you know, specifically postpartum treatment. So yeah. And she really helped just make me feel like you said, she normal. She made me feel like, you know, I wasn't crazy. And just hearing that like all these symptoms aren't unique is just comforting. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you been feeling lately? So now, yeah, I feel like almost completely like myself. I still have like certain days or like certain moments where I'm more anxious. Um, but I have a lot more tools now to like prepare myself or to just, you know, kind of talk to myself, like talk through things and like remind myself, like, okay, it's just your anxiety. Um, and I'm also doing a lot of things differently. Like I said, I give up caffeine. I work out like almost every single day because that helps me sleep better. Yeah. Oh, because that was the other thing. I I was having insomnia, so like I couldn't sleep, um, which was also making my anxiety worse. Yeah. So um, I would wake up like from nightmares, just sweating, mm-hmm. just like you know when you wake up from a nightmare and you, it just feels so real and yeah. you're still kind of scared yeah. of it, like even though you know it's just a nightmare. So I had that like every single night, but like five times a night. I think my lack of sleep probably was a huge trigger because. Mm-hmm. You know, just thinking about it more and talking to my therapist, it was like, when's the last time you slept through the night? And I was like, I don't know. Like six years ago? Yeah. Like maybe. I don't even like, you know. Yeah. Because because I had all the kids so close together. I don't know. Yeah. The last time I really slept. Like, so to be like functioning on that little sleep and you just get used to it after a while. Like it just kind of becomes your new normal, I guess. But your body um, is still not really. But your like, body, yeah, yeah, your body's like, um, hello, like yeah. we can't do this anymore. And I think that's been the biggest wake up call for me is that all of this is just a reminder that I can't just ignore all these like physical, you know, the physical needs of my body. I can't yeah. just keep saying, eh, I'll just drink another coffee. Yeah. <laughs> my body's like, nope. Yeah. Um, so I'm working out more, which is good. I like, I'm taking care of myself a lot more than I was before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I also went on medication, which helps a lot. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did like aromatherapy before I even went to a therapist. I started doing like, you know, lavender at night or something to kind of, like kind of calm me down. Um, I'm trying to like create a better bedtime routine for myself because yeah. like I've never been good at that. Yeah, so just like settling down at night. (laughs) No, it's okay. But um, yeah, just learning how to settle down at night myself is really hard. Yeah. You know, after like a long day of taking care of kids, like you think I'd be exhausted, but you kind of crave alone time. Yeah. And you crave like I crave like creative time. Mm. Like I want to do something creative or something like fun for me. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it's like ten o'clock at night. I'm like, okay. What am I going to do now? Yep. So my brain's always like going at night. Yeah. I feel like when I was um, commuting farther for work, like when I was still living with mom and dad and there were nights where I'd get home at like 830 and eat dinner and be done with dinner at like nine. And instead of like, you know, I knew that I should just like kind of get ready for bed and go to bed like an hour later or whatever. But I just wanted, like you're saying, like I wanted time for myself and Mm -hmm. yeah, creative time or whatever. And then 
that's where you lose the sleep and you have to figure out like some sort of balance or I guess over time, once you get into a better sleep schedule, like you find other ways, like maybe you wake up earlier or, or you find a way to work it into your day in a different way, but it can be And a big part for me is like finding what I want to do. Yeah. Like my therapist was like, you need something to do something creative or something fun for you that isn't, um, you know, that like, I don't have to make a huge commitment to do, mm-hmm. which is, it's tough when you think about it. Like what, I mean, there's a million things, but it's also tough. Cause you're like, what can I do for like an hour or less? That's fun. But like also doesn't mean anything because I can't make any commitments <laughs> to yeah. anything, you know, other than watching my kids. Like, cause you have to be flexible. Like if, yeah, you yeah. have to be really flexible. So that's the hard part. Yeah. It also sounds like from what you've described, like you have a really good relationship with your therapist and like I feel like it is really huge like I've been I saw I had like a third appointment with a therapist that I really like and it's just like that relationship can also just be so important and like if you feel like there's someone that like really sees you um, and cares about you and knows what they're talking about and isn't like scared by what you're saying like you're not putting an emotional burden on them because this is their job and you know it's not like when you're talking to friends or family and they're going to be worried and maybe they don't understand it like but at the same time if you can find someone who yes is a professional but also you feel connected to them and you like them as a person and you feel like they like you and like you Mm -hmm. feel like you have a genuine like connection in some way that can just do so much in and of itself I feel like I mean it's not I'm not saying it's like a magic wand or anything but I do feel like having that you know to go to regularly is yeah and I think specifically with postpartum um like something my therapist has told me is that the symptoms are very unique to postpartum mothers Mm -hmm. like the way it comes on like like I was telling her that the number one thing I felt in the beginning was that like I wasn't myself and that I was going crazy like that I was becoming like a different person. And for some reason with postpartum postpartum depression, it's very specific, like I am a different person now. Mm. And I think it's just because you have that added stress of taking care of another person. Yeah. And you know that you have that responsibility on you. So really any responsibility you would normally feel to take care of yourself is like quadrupled, yeah. you know, because you're now also in charge of someone else. And your, all of your thoughts are consumed with how to take care of them. So you're kind of like, you're forgetting how to take care of yourself in a lot of ways when mm. you become a new mom. Or at least it's really easy to forget. You know, like I think for me, because I had four so quickly, I didn't, it, it happened gradually. Like I didn't really see it as like, oh, I'm just not going to care about myself right. anymore. You know, it just happened so gradually. Like, oh, well, now it's too hard to do this. So I'm going to yeah. stop that. I'm just going to. I'm not really going to try to sleep that much anymore. I'm just going to like stay up late and whatever, you know, like I'm used to just not getting any sleep or I'm just going to drink more caffeine to feel better. And, um, a little day to day decisions, right? Yeah. Like I, and then I guess in hindsight, like looking back, there were kind of red flags, but I didn't see them at the time. So like mm-hmm. I, I knew for a while that I wanted to like work out again. 
but I just never felt enough energy. Like I, I never felt like I had enough energy to do it. And that's definitely the most like, I think depressive symptom that I had was like, I felt very tied down physically. Like I felt, I just felt like I had this huge weight on me, even though I didn't really gain that much weight with Teddy or anything. Um, I just felt really heavy. Like I just felt so like, Oh, like I can't even think about working out right now. I can't even think about going up the stairs, let alone like working out, you know, like I would get annoyed when I'd hear people say like, but you have to put yourself first and like put the mask on yourself. And then, you know, that, you know, analogy, yeah, like the oxygen mask. I used to hate that because I'd be like, yeah, I want to. I can't. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't physically do it, you know. And now that I see what I'm doing now, I'm like, okay, I could do it. But I didn't want to because it was so hard. Yeah. You know, but it did. It felt really impossible. It can be difficult to get into a routine of taking care of yourself too. Yes. Like just that the initial like taking this the first steps that are that can be really difficult. Or it takes some time to figure out what you even need to do. Yeah. It might not even be that obvious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like when I was when I when I first gave up coffee, I was like, I don't really know if this is gonna like help. Yeah. Like I didn't I didn't really know if caffeine was making it worse or not. I just kind of like I was like, well, I'm going to try anything because I'm desperate, you know? So I started with that. And then I started doing other things that I realized were stressing me out or not stressing me out, you know? And something like that you and I have talked about is like, we can become so identified with things, even, even like coffee or certain foods or certain routines, like we were identified with them or we derive so much short-term comfort from them. Mm -hmm. And then when you're in a tough place the last thing you want to do is take away yeah these like comforting things that even though if you know okay I think in the long term it's probably better for me to whatever it may be you know cut out caffeine cut out alcohol maybe eat less sugar stop eating mm-hmm. you know late at night or whatever like it's the very thing that you feel like is getting you through those moments um yeah. so again having like a long view <laughs> in mind and trusting that you can adjust and adapt and it'll be better in the long run just takes it can take a lot so in the interest of like self-care and getting sleep (laughs) (laughs) I'll ask you my my last question okay um what's something that you're learning about or growing into right now um besides everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, well, I think, like I said, I, right now I've had to change almost, I feel like everything that I do to feel better. Um, so that's been a a learning experience just because I'm used to doing things like I, you know, like I said, using my gut feelings about things and kind of just like feeling things out. Like, Oh, I feel like doing this or I don't feel like doing that. And now I'm making more mindful choices about things like, Um, you know, like I want, I want that coffee this morning, but I know if I have it, I'm probably going to have a panic attack. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have caffeine ever for now, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, um, I want to stay up all night and clean my entire house, honestly, but I'm not going to (laughs) because I need to rest and it's not good for me to just keep going, you know? So just learning how to 
think ahead in that way and make choices, not based on how I'm feeling in the moment, but how I know I'm going to feel. Um, I mean, that's so simple. And I feel kind of dumb saying that, like it sounds so immature, but that's been a huge thing for me is just being more mindful of what it's going to make me feel like and not what I feel like right now. Also just with Lila starting school, becoming like a school mother parent Mm. is like a whole other thing so i've i've definitely been learning like the ropes on that this Mm. year just remembering things for school and getting her ready for school and you know meeting new moms and all that so that's been different too yeah i feel like in some ways your parenting is out in the world in a different way once your kid is in school yeah Mm -hmm. and that must be like kind of a strange experience sometimes. I think it was actually like a trigger for me with my anxiety mm. when she started school yeah. because I I knew I was a little nervous about it, but I think it was actually bothering me more than I knew. Mm. Like not knowing where she is all of a sudden for like, yeah. what is it, like six hours of the day? Like I'm used to seeing her every minute of the day, yeah. you know, or most, you know, most hours of the day to then like not knowing where she not I, I know where she is but not knowing what she's doing every yeah. minute it's just a really strange feeling it's like it feels like a part of you is like cut off and you like don't know where it is like it's and it's just, a part of you that you like would protect even more than you protect yourself yeah right? I mean you nurture this baby for the yeah. first like five years or six years of their life and you know everything about them there is to know and then you're just like all right see you later like it's just a very odd experience. I'm younger than I think all the parents I know there except for one. Mm. So some of them are like a decent, you know, a decent amount older than me. Like they have much older children. Like this is their youngest or yeah. whatever. So I just feel kind of dumb being like, hey, like <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. And <laughs> like you've done this three times and you probably look at me like I'm a baby. <laughs> like, you know, I just have that whole anxiety again of like yeah. not fitting in and like, not knowing enough or not being good enough. Like, and not, I mean, it's not like keeping me up at night really, but you know, it's just that feeling of like new territory. Yeah. All right. Well, Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Lilas. Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials Podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at Perennials Podcast and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit a Moon by Paul Finn. <laughs>